Hey, good afternoon, everyone. No, some faces, I think. So, good afternoon. My name's Glenn Smith. Uh, I'm a, a business development manager um, here at Amazon Web Services. Um, I'm going to be speaking with you today about uh, OTT um, and our solutions, uh, how you can integrate those solutions to be able to provide an OTT solution. Um, I'm going to be here with a couple of speakers down on the front. I'll introduce them in a little while. But uh, Raul is the CTO uh, of G1200 uh, Media, um, and he's going to come and help you understand the business problem, uh, why they did it um, on AWS. And then um, his provider, Sony DABC, Andy's going to come and, and talk about their solution, um, why they chose AWS and how they're using our services, uh, specifically CloudFront, but you know, the broader services as well, of course. Um, that's the agenda. I'm going to talk about through the introduction. As I've mentioned, uh, Raul is going to talk about a specific project from one of his business units, which is uh, Funimation. And then Andrew's, Andrew's, Andrew's going to explain how they're using uh, our CloudFront content delivery network. Um, before, hopefully we have some time for, for quick Q&A at the end. We, if we do, then great. If not, then we're certainly going to be able to stick around. All three of us uh, are going to be able to stick around for 15 or so minutes at the end, so feel free to come and ask any questions that you might well have about the, uh, our presentation. Um, before we get into OTT, I just wanted to help you understand uh, the AWS positioning around media workflows in, in, in more general terms. Um, if you look at this sort of diagram illustration, you see all of those um, content production workloads on the left-hand side, all working all the way through the workflow, through media supply chain, through, those dis through distribution methodologies, publishing OTT and playout, and then the analytics right at the far end on the right-hand side. We have uh, different levels of maturity, a broad set of partners with pretty much all of those solutions. Um, so we are at AWS are really trying to enable the full media supply chain uh, to migrate to AWS uh, for our customers. But as you, as, as you know, um, we're here today to uh, talk about OTT. I think it's pretty obvious from the title, Media Delivery, OTT. I hope that's, you guys are, that's what you're looking for. But just in case, for one or two of you that perhaps aren't aware what an OTT is, if you think of Netflix, um, they have enabled uh, content owners, content producers, to get uh, their content into front of an audience without needing to have uh, contracts with the MSOs, the multi-service operators, the ISPs, et cetera. Um, and it's really driving um, micro uh, content uh, aggregation because we can all choose the content that we, we want to uh, and not needing to pay for other content that we, we, we not necessarily do, uh, which is certainly going to be um, what Raoul's going to talk to in a little while. Um, his content is, has got a, a relatively niche but a super passionate audience. I think you'd right to say, Raoul. So um, OTT is, a, is vital for his business to be able to, to monetize that content. Netflix obviously is a global provider, but it really is a, a global solution for that content distribution problem. Uh, we were in India recently doing a number of media customers, and it really brought home to us the problem in this, in this very large country with a huge population. Um, they've got a number of states like, we all, like all our countries do, of course, but there's lo lots of major languages. They had a language and hundreds of dialects complexity for their challenges. Um, and being able to really manage that, manage that content um, was really, really vital for them to manage an OTT platform. Um, whilst there are hundreds of TV channels in, in play over there, um, this is really allowing them to um, get that content into the hands of their consumer more quickly because it's powered by, obviously, the billions of devices that are in the hands of those consumers and the networks that are coming to allow uh, video to be consumed on those, on those devices. Um, 
But this is not a simple process. I see one or two of our partners in the audience, as well as Sony DADC, of course, and they will be, certainly be able to tell you that uh, this, is, this is not a simple process. OTT is complex. If we just look at the content plane that I've described it as, very dark. I was going to, hopefully that wasn't going to be that dark. But they, that, those boxes say things like transcoding, file um, QC, uh, watermarking, uh, all these different workflows, each of them having very um, often, some cases, very small um, content providers who are really specialist in that certain part of the workflow. And for an OTT provider, they have to integrate all of these niche services into an end-to-end -end workflow just for the content plane, just to be able to get the content in, stored, processed, and distributed. That in itself is a complicated process. Um, and we do have some solutions to help our customers with that, and one of them being transcoding. Um, if we look at the, the, the legacy view here, um, uh, back in the day when I was a, when I were a lad, uh, there was one big box in the corner. Um, we all watched the same content, so there was only that single experience that we all had. Water cooler chat was far better because we were all watching the same thing, but what it meant was that it was relatively simple to get this content into the hands of the consumer. They would, the, st the standards were very well defined. Um, you know, it's a, it's a polite way of saying the innovation was manageable. Sometimes, some might say very non almost non-existent, um, but it was all hardware-based. So actually getting that content onto that device was a rather simple process. If we look at that, how that's changed today, um, this target device is almost elusive. We have, um, obviously, connected TVs, um, which were obviously a real growth uh, device that we're seeing for our, from our OTT customers. Um, but, you know, the plethora of tablets that we see, um, phones and gaming consoles, really thousands of different devices if we include all the set-top boxes that are out there as well, of course. And if we just look at the basic features of the resolutions and the codecs and the bit rates and the protocols that we need to access these devices, this, this, this one workload in itself can become complicated. If we then add all those other sort of advanced features, which really aren't advanced anymore, these are commonplace, digital rights management and tracking and time shift that we, we all expect as consumers, then this suddenly becomes a very, very complicated, with millions of different individualized experiences for those audiences, requiring us to have a support a broad plethora of standards to allow us to get that content onto those devices. This has driven, obviously, an unmitigated innovation, um, and we believe, certainly, that a cloud infrastructure helps you, allows you to do that as you're able to turn up and turn down this infrastructure to meet that demand as you need it. We do have some solutions, uh, native solutions. There's a very broad port partner portfolio who have some very sophisticated products working on us, but we do have two of our own. Um, we have Amazon uh, Elastic Transcoder. Um, think of it as a managed environment, really heavily used by those customers that have a, um, a U lots of UGC content. It's really where we see it being um, used most widely. Um, the support of digital rights management is not broad, is not, is not huge. Uh, the, some of the codecs that it supports is, is, are not as broad as we have in our other platform, which is the Elemental Cloud. So, really, we've got two different solutions here. One managed and it's a rather simple platform. The other um, unmanaged, it's an instance that you're still running your environment. You have to manage that instance and manage the scaling of your infrastructure, but it's certainly more um, broader uh, range of features in terms of digital rights management and other uh, functionalities. So we can certainly help you understand those and, and, and bring those to uh, um, help you understand them if you so choose. So I've mentioned that it's, it's complicated, but it's not just the content plane. We also see this business plane. How 
um, are you going to ensure that your content is secure? It's not uh, uh, being used. You're not selling one subscription and then, then provide, uh, providing that username and password to a broad range of people such that you're only getting a very small amount of, uh, of subscribers. How are, you know, the policy management, the CRM solutions, so you, know, you understand those that are what have the movie subscription or the sports subscription and how you cross-sell. All of this business plan is absolutely vital, and each one of them in itself is a complicated thing. Uh, of course, you're going to need a lot of uh, systems uh, to help you manage this infrastructure, um, spinning up, spinning it down, alerting, monitoring, normal operation stuff. Of course, AWS has a broad portfolio of services. You know, we've seen many of them today. And um, I don't know if you saw the Vernus keynote this morning. Obviously, he was talking ad infinitum about automation. So there's obviously a broad portfolio of services that we're going to be able to help you with for that. Back-ended by lots of infrastructure, databases, storage, and others. Again, we have more uh, significant amounts of platforms for that, whether it be deep cold archive or uh, S3 to allow you to get millisecond uh, latency for that first byte of that content reliably. And then finally, the delivery plane. Once you've done all of that and you've got all these rules and you've got the content in a, in a form that it can be served, you're then going to have to need to distribute this content. You're going to need the CMS that it's you know, out there and is able to scale to meet the demand both up and down as required. Load balancing, you're going to need all these apps if you want to get onto these different uh, uh, app application platforms. Smart Origin for just-in-time packaging. Again, we have solutions like for that in, uh, in our partner solutions and also within our elemental uh, portfolio of services. And then finally, of course, the content delivery. How do you get this content reliably into, your, into the hands of your customers on a global basis? So we're just going to dive deep on that for a second. Um, and our CDN is called CloudFront. Um, CloudFront is, is global. Uh, this slide has had to change uh, sort of three to four times in the last two weeks before the show because the number of edge locations was going up. The, new, the number of cities we were in was, has gone up just in that time. So we're constantly innovating, constantly scaling this infrastructure out to meet the demand, to meet the demand of our customers. So uh, we can see there that we're obviously North America, a smaller presence in South America, but certainly in Europe and, and Asia, we've got a, a very large footprint and we've got some significant uh, OTT customers using us. But there was a couple of problems that, that we saw, specifically one problem, but we've got two solutions for it, that we saw our OTT customers coming to us and talking to us about. And this is really that what they were seeing is many of our customers have a multi-CDN multi strategy, and of course, we want to listen to our customers and support them. So in many cases, CloudFront is one of two or even three CDNs in some, case, some cases. Um, but what they were really telling us was that actually, for the, following the 80-20 rule, 20% um, of their content generates 80% of their traffic, or typically speaking, a, a common, a common uh, set of rules there. Um, and for the 20% of common content, they couldn't really differentiate often between CDNs A, B, and C. You know, one was slightly better here, one was slightly better there. But overall, it was pretty much of a muchness. Uh, and their, their customers were getting a pretty good experience. However, the long tail of their content was really generating bad experiences for their customers. The files that we deliver, although the codecs are improving, the files that we deliver are larger. And, and some of the, our customers believe that ultimately their customers, or sorry, the CDM providers are not scaling the edges relative to the, the, the size of the files that are needed to be served. Their cache ratios were dropping, um, and that was meaning that they were often having a bad experience for 20% of their consumption generated by that long tail of content. So um, we've done a couple of things, um, one of which has been announced here 
at, uh, at uh, reInvent. Uh, my colleague Tom announced this a couple of days ago. And this is we've implemented CloudFront regional edge caches. So this is really, um, it's not explicit, explicit in OTT solution. It's being enabled for all of our customers. But it's certainly going to help uh, OTT customers for that long tail problem. The idea being that typically, historically, um, the, all of those requests from an edge location was going back to an origin. Um, and when that first, when that content's just been announced and everyone's going to that most popular show that you have, that origin is going to get hit continually. So it's helping you scale out that origin and reduce that load on that origin, but it's also getting that content away from the origin closer to the user so that they're going to get a better experience. So we've dri 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 uh, made uh, a very large regional edge caches in key locations in North America, South America, in all, in all the regions, in all the continents that we're working in, in to allow us to get that broad portfolio of caching um, close to those users. If we look at where they are, as I said, there's one in Europe, two in North America, one in South America. And we've got five out in Asia just because of the geographical spread of the network out there. Um, and what that's meant for our customers is that there's ultimately, this is, we believe this is going to drive improvements in cache ratio. Um, you know, in the 90s is kind of acceptable. Most of our customers are pushing us to be in the upper 90s all of the time. And some of our customers, I know that uh, Andy's going to say what he's seeing from CloudFront for, that, for some of their content is below that because that's what they're using today. So this is certainly a feature that probably Andy's been, is going to help uh, Sony DADC for Funimation. So what we're going to do here is put in this edge location in to ensure that we can get those cash ratios higher uh, without any cost to our customers. There's no need to make any changes. This is just going to be enabled in the coming weeks as we roll this out across, across our regions. Um, and they're going to be enabled by default to all of our cloud distributions. Um, all of the features that you see within CloudFront are also going to be enabled on these, okay, these mid-tier cache, if you like, these regional edge caches, such that you can en enable features there if you so choose. So as you can see, nine of those locations uh, in, all of the, in all of those regions. Even so... What we found, for, what, for some of our larger guys, um, the problem is really very marked. Um, so the files are bigger, as I've mentioned, and their, their long tail is very, very long. And we had to go away and think about how we really get a very large cache right at the edge of our network. And we've implemented something called Metro. Uh, this is not a product yet. This is something we're working out how we can bring this to others, but it's something we've done with, with our larger OTT platforms. And really what it is is about um, separating out the storage uh, from the network so, we can, so they can be independent of each other. We can scale up network without impl impacting on storage and vice versa. And what this has allowed us to do is really get very large object stores in often cases multiple petabytes of cache right at the edge of our network to really be able to see those contents. So something comes into cache, and it stays there in perpetuity. Nothing really is, getting, is, is going to get flushed. And what that's meant for, for this customer is that for a very large amount of traffic requests, you know, up to uh, approaching 15 billion requests per day, they're going to cache it ratio of 98%. This is a five petabyte library of content at the edge of their network. And we are basically ensuring that they're going to get super high-performance um, CDN and caching del delivery um, without crushing an origin for a very large um, edge location. Um, a couple of more th last things before I hand over to, to Rahul. But I just want to basically call out a couple of things. And one thing that was, was, was announced this morning, um, 
But ultimately, what we're seeing from our customers and what they're asking from us, uh, they're ultimately frustrated with some of the CDNs where they're being asked and insist that if there's a slightly feature, um, feature that needs to be enabled that's slightly out of the norm, they have to log a ticket or make a phone call or call a professional services guy. They have to wait for that ticket to come to the top of a queue, and three hours or three days later, they finally get it enabled. Um, and as I said, we do believe in that. We believe in automating your solutions and all of your architecture, including CDN, is a line of code or a few lines of code. You should be able to automate this. You should be in control of your OTT platform, including the CDN. So whether you want to use an API or use the console, whichever, whatever you want to do, whatever your systems, this needs to be in your control, not, you, not relying on others to, to implement your solutions for you. So... Just wanted to touch on the, the another thing that was announced this morning, so I'm hoping most of you are there this morning. But this is really an innovative feature for, for us, and we've been, talking, we've been working on it for a long time, and we're glad to have been announced it um, this morning. Um, but this is effectively bringing CloudFront uh, and bringing Lambda into those CloudFront end locations. So you can be running this Node.js JavaScript right at the edge of the network. Um, really allowing you to be in control of your head of manipulation yourself, running those rules, making those changes, seeing what that, what that implication is on your platform and your caching. If it doesn't work, scroll it back and try something else. Um, so there's a couple of things that we've seen. You know, we've, had a, we've been, got a few um, customers that have been obviously in the private beta of this, and we've, so a couple of the key use cases uh, that we've seen um, is you know, event sources at the edge, so improve the security by implementing access restrictions possibly, uh, or even advertising. How can you dynamically determine which ads to serve within this OTT platform? How can you build um, services around that? But ultimately, it's about this header manipulation. Um, and what we're basically sh uh, able to show is that ultimately you can run these, um, these Node.js uh, scripts. As a request comes in, as a request goes back to origin, or as the response comes back from the origin and is served out to the edge. So we don't yet know how this is going to be used. We just know it's a cool feature, and we're looking forward to seeing how you guys are going to be able to enable this. I'd love, love to work with you all to find out what, where you think this is going to go. Um, because as I say, we think it's been uh, one or two customers have wanted us to do header manipulation. Um, We've been, you know, somewhat behind some of those other guys for a while, but this is really, uh, really cool tech, we think, and we really look forward to seeing how you guys are going to use it. So that's it enough from me from, from the introduction. Um, I say I'll be back at the end, so I look forward to hearing, uh, answering any questions you may have. Thanks a lot. Raul? Thank you, Glenn. Um, my name is Rahul Purni. I head up technology for Group 1200 or Funimation. Um, so what I wanted to do today was Glenn laid out the complexity of OTT, as most probably most of you have already seen that. I wanted to highlight a couple of specific business cases that we were uh, interested in solving, and we found that media supply chain orchestration through cloud was the only way we could solve those uh, business cases effectively. So... Um, I want to highlight those so that when Andy comes up and talks about how their platform uh, has helped us solve, you know, the, the business challenges that we were dealing with. Um, any anime fans in the audience? <laughs> okay. So for those of you that don't know what anime is, anime is animation uh, that's conceived and created in Japan, primarily for the Japanese audience, but there's a very passionate um, 
audience across the world for this. And it's often based on comic books or manga that's come out of Japan. So um, we at Funimation, we've been doing this for about 20 years. Um, we have a fairly large catalog of um, anime content. Mostly anime is 99% of the time it's episodic TV content. Um, we have 10,000 hours of this um, that, that we've accumulated over the last 20 years. Uh, we're the largest studio in North America that does, uh, that focuses on anime. Um, and one of our new, we are omnichannel in the sense that we've, we distribute through physical home entertainment, broadcast TV, um, as well as theatrical. But one of our newer channels uh, is our OTT, our subscription video on demand service. So as we, um, we're global in the sense that we service all English-speaking territories. Um, U.S., Canada, U.K., and Ireland are primarily uh, where we have been focused. Australia and New Zealand are also fairly big markets for us. Um, we have all the apps that Glenn talked about that we uh, allow our fans to um, use to get to our content. But as we were going through orchestrating the technology platform for our OTT service, um, there were two business cases that were primarily a big challenge for us when we approached the technology in the traditional way of on-premise and infrastructure, building the infrastructure out for ourselves. Um, the first one, in the anime world, there's this term called simulcast. What we mean by that is once a show has been aired in Japan, with, uh, immediately right after that, right, like within 30 minutes to an hour, um, having that show available for audience worldwide. Um, so that's a big um, ask. Our fans want that content immediately. Um, and if we don't provide it, they're going to go find it somewhere else. So for us, we are adding anywhere between 20 to 30 shows every quarter. So every week, we have about 20 to 30 shows that are coming out. And we have to release them within an hour. Most of the time, we don't get those materials delivery started until the broadcast has started in Japan. So we have anywhere between an hour and two to get the materials from Japan, go through the translation for subtitling, get all the transcoding and all the prep done, and deliver it to our service. So that's about, uh, we sometimes in addition to our service, we are delivering it to our partners like Hulu and Netflix and Amazon as well. So we have to prepare whatever formats they need and have them delivered so that when our fans go check out the show at the appointment time, it's ready. So that's one of the challenges that we were not able to tackle through the traditional infrastructure, traditional approach, um, especially with, uh, with the, all the unknowns, right, like the peaks and the scale, scalability. On top of that, because we are servicing the English-speaking world, um, we focus on the dub in addition to the subtitle. So once the, the Japanese broadcast is a Japanese audio with English subtitled is what we release within the hour. Then we have to, in our studios, dub it into English and get that released as soon as possible. So as a business, we try to get that out within two weeks. So what we are doing, what we have to do is get that content into our production workflow go through the translation, script development, getting voice actors involved, doing the dubbing, and getting it released. And trying to do that production workflow 
so that we can get the content out within two weeks was another challenge that we were trying to solve. And the only way we could solve that is using media supply chain orchestration in the cloud. So we still had to keep all our workflows intact, but figure out a way to leverage the scale and the performance of the cloud um, in, a, in such a way so that we can meet those timelines. So those are two um, specific business cases that were unique to us we were trying to solve, but all the other key considerations were just as important. Security, just like any other content publisher, we needed to make, secure that content throughout the media supply chain workflow so that it's not out there before it could be out there. Um, reliability, workflow integration, they're all key, key, including the total cost of ownership. So again, as when Andy comes up and talks about how venue media as, as a service solves some of these problems, um, it, for us primarily as a business, it was the only way we could solve those two business cases and maintain a total cost of ownership that was reasonable. So um, as a small thank you, we have a 30-day free trial. So if you go to that URL, uh, you can try a 30-day free trial. Um, like Glenn mentioned, uh, we'll be around. If you have any questions, happy to answer them. So I'll turn it over to Andy. Thanks. Good afternoon. So um, you've heard the name Venue a couple times uh, between Raul and Glenn. Uh, let me just give you a view of what Venue is. Venue is uh, an end-to-end -end supply chain solution that runs rights and avails management, content, uh, content management and distribution, not just for OTT, but we deliver to about 1,500 endpoints globally, so broadcasters, IP-based uh, MSOs, basically everyone. Um, we also run linear playout services and then OTT and commerce solutions, and it's an all-in-one. And several months ago, probably going on more like nine months ago at this point, uh, we made a decision to go all in on Amazon. And so we shut our, or just about finished shutting down all of our data centers. Um, that's facilities in London, facilities in California, facilities in Phoenix, Arizona. We are moving everything we have to the cloud. 20 petabytes of content, roughly a million hours of content that grows at about a petabyte a quarter. Um, so. For, for us, that was a very large strategic decision that has enabled a lot of the things that Raul was just speaking to and really allows us to take advantage of all of the power and innovation that comes out of the team from AWS so that we can focus our energies on building better products for our customers. I think a bit as Raul had just talked to in terms of the incredibly tight timelines, especially around things like the simulcast deliveries where you're seeing uh, situations where we need to get content up and running in a particular territory one hour after it airs in Japan, and they don't necessarily have the materials arrive in the States until it starts broadcasting in Japan for the first time, that's not just limited to those types of situations. Over the last several years, I think we've all experienced the fact that there's been an incredibly consolidated timeline with regards to how media distribution takes place everywhere. Right? Whether it's theatrical content or television content, it almost doesn't matter anymore. The, the world of starting to pepper the universe with marketing materials and social engagement happens way upstream of any release of a piece of content anymore. And oftentimes, you know, either due to, you know, issues like piracy that, that are out there or due to the fact that there's some anomalous event, like potentially a, an actor passes away or something happens, people need to be able to react in real time. And how do you do that 
if, if you don't have everything ready to go. And I, and I think the ready-to-go statement, especially when you're trying to build something like a consumer service in OTT, is, is where we start to fall into the trap. This um, is obviously a picture from Raiders of the Lost Ark, but <laughs> this is what content archives generally look like. Whether digital or physical, they're almost like junk drawers, right? Uh, there, you know, there was been a period of time over the last 10 and 15 years where, uh, content owners have been digitizing their content, sticking it into, you know, either rudimentary asset management systems and migrating those over time. And it was really left to, you know, whoever was responsible for putting the content into the system in the first place to tag it, identify it, things like that. Uh, I, I've been doing this for a very long time. I can tell you that, you know, many years ago we were running a, a system uh, at another company um, for, for Sony Pictures at the time, and uh, the number of copies of James Bond that were just named James Bond-1, dash 2, dash 3, by the time I left that company, there were about 360 versions of the same movie because either somebody spelled it wrong, Spider-Man is always spelled with a hyphen or an underscore or it's one word, you know, there is a proliferation of junk that's out there. doesn't mean that the content's bad, but how do you find it? And what that's created is a really big problem, especially when we start talking about those shrinking timelines, right? There is, uh, you know, we hear about all the time now, uh, you know, Amazon launching globally, Netflix did at, at CES. They, you know, kind of turned on the world in, in one shot when, when Reed Hastings stood up and did that. Uh, there is a huge amount of effort in trying to get all of that content normalized, especially when you start talking about it from a global perspective, right? Raul's talking about a particular example of where we're taking Japanese content, having to do subtitling into English. Now imagine doing that in 23 languages and needing have, having to have that all at the same time. So what did those workflows look like in the past prior to being able to move? Many of you may have already been experiencing some of this stuff or, or dealing with it yourselves now or, or just about to start getting into it. But this is typically the kind of movement pattern that you see when dealing with that level of proliferation of content. You, you have situations where you're potentially working with uh, various vendors, right? You have to get, you know, core media in. You need to get proxies created, distribute those to multiple facilities. All of those things need to align. And, of course, from a communication perspective, we're always relegated to emails, phone calls. Yes, we have Slack and text message, and that those are wonderful tools, but it just it makes it even harder to consolidate our communication and our ability to be able to do this in an effective manner. And, and so when we, when we look at this, it, you know, the, some of the biggest problems that we struggled with, even as we were a, a centralized infrastructure, you know, not on the cloud, was it's very hard to get a centralized view of anything because the, the content is proliferated in so many places. What we saw was that the problem became, you know, the, you know, as, as Glenn put up the slide with all of those circles around it and, you know, from an OTT being complex perspective, Almost the easiest part of it is being able to stream the asset at the end, right? And for us, that's, that's very much uh, a testament to the power of what AWS has provided us, is that we don't need to think about that. I don't worry about how water comes into my house. I don't worry about how the lights turn on. That level of infrastructure is something that we no longer have to spend a great deal of energy concerning ourselves with. Instead, we can concern ourselves with all of the business logic that makes it possible to be able to leverage those, those components. And so if you look at a workflow where we basically had content being delivered before, you know, this is, you know, as always an example, not everything runs this way, but orders will get placed into a system, 
we'll start to do what we call materials analysis, which is interrogating the inventory that we have, determining whether or not we actually have the components necessary to fulfill that particular request. Those materials then that are missing come into the system. We go through QC it. There's obviously an iterative process there. Certain things fail. Stuff has to get kicked back. Subtitles may not align. There's conformance. We fix those assets. And then we deliver it. And in the times where we're not actually the ones hosting that content and streaming it for somebody, but delivering it to another endpoint who then has their own work to do, the percentage of time that that content does not make it on time for the actual air date is incredibly high, right? It's just not something that as, again, kind of going back to that, that consolidation of those time frames that we can afford as a business or as an industry. So what we've done and the reason that we've, that we've consolidated everything into, into Amazon and, and gotten rid of everything else is because now we no longer federate all of that work between multiple facilities needing to deal with multiple hops. We've, we've eliminated all of that. Putting everything into one central archive in the cloud that allows us effectively infinite scale, right, but from a, from a horizontal perspective, whether it's the amount of transcoding that we can do simultaneously, whether it's facilitating um, web-based access to the content. So we, we leverage things like uh, subtitling workflows where we can actually have vetted crowdsourcing and we no longer need to have it single source to a particular facility, but now we can have hundreds of people working on it at the same time. We've had launch catalogs for you know, companies like Netflix and Amazon where we've needed to do 10,000 hours of subtitling in the course of a month, right? You're limited at that point by people who are actually able to do the work as opposed to the systems that were uh, a necessity before. And you know, what, what we've been you know, kind of focusing on is the fact that the consumers is really the big piece, right? They're the ones who are driving the timelines, right? It's not, it's not that the business doesn't want to be there, but the business is happy if you know, we, have, we have an air date and you know, there's this nice window and then they can monetize it again. But whether it's new technologies or just the, the social awareness of things that, that has driven that, we've been previously focused in that kind of retailer distributor model and now where we're focused is heavily in direct-to-consumer offerings and, and why the OTT um, growth is so high. So in the changes that we've made by consolidating all of that infrastructure into a single point and being able to do those workflows, we've changed what used to take days into now hours, right? And, you know, with what we're doing with Funimation and with Raul, Raul's team is we've actually now established workflows that are under an hour. So 45 minutes is the current record that we have from the, um, the broadcast in Japan to air in the United States, or and the UK, actually, both, both at the same time. Um, that's an incredibly tight timeline. From my perspective, and a goal that I have for my organization and my customers is there's really no reason that everything shouldn't happen in one hour. If Amazon.com, the physical business, can deliver a product to my house in one hour from request, then there's absolutely no excuse why digital content can't be available in that time frame or less, right? And so we've set that as kind of our bar. And, you know, we notice with a lot of our competitors who are using hybrid solutions and having some on-premise and, and some cloud, if you don't consolidate everything, then you, there's no way to achieve that goal. And so what you start to do is you start to make um, exceptions. You start to say, well, this is catalog content, and this isn't as important. But what's really, what's really critical for us is that there's no predictability, right? Glenn talked about that long tail, 
right? And the long tail is, is so important in terms of monetization and not knowing what somebody's going to need at any given time that we don't want to have to make those judgment calls. We don't want to have to have emotional decision-making from users that are actually driving uh, those kind of d- decisions. We want the system to do it. And so that's led us to basically leveraging the AWS infrastructure and our million hours of content to basically make the CDN the center stage of the entire offering that we have. And so in order to facilitate our OTT solutions, as well as other distribution endpoints like what we're doing with Funimation and others, um, what we've done is now that we've consolidated everything in, into Amazon, we're basically making all one million hours of that content available to anyone who licenses it. And it's no longer a need to have to standardize. We hear a lot of conversations in the market that talk about, well, we need to standardize formats. We need to standardize how we're getting things in. That feels like a very kind of mid-2000s view of the world. In a world where we were all limited by physical infrastructure, where we couldn't afford to scale on demand, we really needed standards, and we needed to talk to each other and say, how am I going to handle this? But suddenly, the, the power of everything that's at our fingertips removes that necessity. Now we can basically make anything that anybody wants available as close to, you know, real time as possible. And we continue to take that down. And so, you know, when we come to reInvent and when we meet with the team in Seattle and and we learn about the things like the regional edge caching and we learn about, you know, some of the Lambda functions that are going to be taking place at the edge, those are all new opportunities for us to be able to just squeeze more and more of that time out. And it would kill us if we had to move that content back and forth between an an on-premise facility and into the cloud and be able to keep up with bandwidth restrictions that we have that just don't take place within the Amazon infrastructure. And we get asked a lot, you know, do you single source? Do you just use one region? Do you copy your content into multiple regions? And what's really nice about the fact that we've been able to leverage the power of the the AWS environment is that I don't need to worry about a lot of that stuff. We leverage the power of that edge caching to be able to provide all of that redundancy for us. I don't need to spend a bunch of energy thinking about those things. And so this has really been something that's been very compelling for us because it's allowed us to be able to work closely with partners like Funimation and enable those incredibly complex workflows in a fairly systemic way that now they can go and launch globally. And that's what we've been doing together is starting to roll out uh, uh, around the planet. So how have we been leveraging, in this case specifically, uh, CloudFront for, for success? So... I'm assuming most of you use CloudFront today or some portion of or some CDN. I I, I would guess that's that's why you're here. Um, Obviously, we use signed URLs. Security is very important from a Sony perspective, from a content owner's perspective. Um, You know, I'm not even sure I told you the types of companies that we're doing stuff for, but it's, you know, Funimation, Sony Pictures, BBC, Village Roadshow. We're talking about very big names. We're talking about content as premium content. Yes, there's some user-generated stuff. We're seeing a lot of stuff like the machinemas or the makers of the world as well who have a completely different type of model, right? We're talking about, you know, tens of millions of assets versus catalogs of 10,000 hours or 100,000 hours. But that just makes it even more complex and and more unpredictable. Um, You know, reducing latency, huge issue for us. Right? We, we want people to have an instant start to everything. We want people to be able to click and feel like that content was, all, was just primed and ready for them all the time. 
and I'm going to show you in a second some data that we have about the experiences that we've seen around how users have been interacting with content and some of the inefficiencies that we're currently experiencing from the CDN and why we're so excited about some of the new technologies that are coming out that will improve that performance. From an application hosting perspective, we run our PlayStation apps uh, within, within CloudFront as well. And what we do is we manage our own SSL certificates for the purposes of security. We want to have more control over those environments. And so we can have everything hit one static IP address so that we can manage that coming in, that, that traffic that's coming in, and then and let CloudFront route things appropriately behind the scenes. We don't have to worry about having anything exposed. We like to, to wrap it uh, really nicely. And from that perspective, it really gives a nice consolidated view for how our infrastructure teams can manage all of the proliferation of of devices that we continue to grow. We're currently running on just about every device that's out there. Smart TVs are kind of the, the next piece that we're moving into. Um, but, you know, we work closely with the Fire TV team, and we're obviously on iOS and all Android devices, Xbox, PlayStation, and so on and so forth. So cache values and behaviors are, are really pretty critical for, for what we're doing. Um, setting distribution behaviors for our streaming assets is really important. And that, again, that kind of goes back to what Glenn was touching on in terms of the different types of content. With everyone, there is content that may never get watched. It just sits there, right? And so you don't want to treat everything as equal, but at the same time, you don't necessarily know who's going to come in. You don't know if an outside influence is going to drive some change. And so when we start looking at our ability to be able to dynamically control some of those things at the edge, that's really important to us, right? We don't want to have to always either restore from Glacier and then go through a transcoding process, even though we've shrunk that time down, you know, into really tight scales based on historical values. What we really want it to be is instantaneous and not have a consumer ever feel the pain of what we go through from a back end. And so, you know, time to live values are really important, right? It's, it's not cheap to just keep everything online all the time. We have to be, we have to to be thoughtful and, and mindful of those things. And so from a, you know, from a cache utilization perspective, kind of going back to, to what I was talking about with those, those regional endpoints, this is actual data uh, from Funimation uh, over the last 60 days of just mobile users, nothing, nothing else, right? We just, we just took a small segment of the utilization on iOS and Android devices uh, in the U.S. And I know it's a little hard on the scale, but what, what you will see at the top is that's the, that's the throughput. And you'll see those ebb and flows that, that you've gotten there. They generally happen on weekends. Um, you know, it's an anime audience. It's a, it's a, a younger crowd, right? College kids, things like that. And so those peaks that you see are when new episodes hit. And we see a huge amount of attention come for particular episodes during those times. And then the rest of the time is catalog viewing. And there was actually an episode earlier this year, a new show that launched in, I believe it was April, where the show airs at the same time uh, everywhere, meaning it's not that it airs at 9 p.m. In, in, in New York and then 9 p.m. in L.A. and 9 p.m. If, if it's 9 p.m. in New York, it's whatever the equivalent time is in every other time zone. And when we this particular show aired, it was actually 2 a.m. in Pacific, and it was 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning in the U.K., and I happened to be in London. And the number of people who were all up watching at the same time for that very moment to have this kind of communal experience was enormous. Um, and so we see those same things happen when, when new episodes come out. 
But what's interesting about it is the correlation to the cash hits that are beneath that, right? And, you know, when Glenn showed that chart before where you were looking at something close to maybe the 90 percentile and, you know, moving up as close to the 100 percentile, we're actually seeing a, a, a much less hit rate. We're seeing a hit rate where almost 75 to 77% of all of the material that's being requested for most of the time is pulling back from origin. And the reason for that is a couplefold. So one is because of that long tail content of catalog that you're seeing most of the time, it's randomly pulling those assets in. The second is, is because we're using nine bit rates. Right? And so at any given time in a particular region, depending on the type of device or the connection that somebody has, they may be pulling a different stream. So there may be, I'm watching 10 minutes into it, you just started, you get a good cash hit because you're watching right behind me, but we may be watching two different bit rates, in which case both are pulling back from the origin for the first time. It, again, you can kind of see that curve in kind of that October 20th to October 26th timeline, when we start to see new shows come in that get a lot of consolidated popularity, especially popularity in a particular area, like if everybody starts watching in Los Angeles at a given time, then we start to see the cash ratio go up. And so we're really very focused on working on these types of things because that just provides latency, right? We don't want people to ever experience that stuff. We don't want to have to have on an AVOD experience somebody to go away, get an ad, and then yet have another latency for the startup of the next segment whether it's the, you know, the next, uh, the next GOP structure or whatever it happens to be. So those, those are things that we're really focused on in, in increasing. <coughs> the, the next piece is, you know, you can do things like query string caching. You can do stuff like waterfall integration, which has been really important to us in terms of how you actually set up the uh, order of operation within your CloudFront distributions, right? That's, that's pretty critical. And for us, it actually tied into a lot of learning curves, right? So when we set up an adaptive bitrate stream, HLS in this case, um, basically what we had is we had a manifest file that was an M3 UA, and we talked about how we're using signed URLs. And when we first put it in, there's actually a, and it's a little too small to read, probably even up there, but there's, a, you know, a star.m3 U8 file, and then there's a layer M3 U8 file. And we had them sorted incorrectly. We had the signed URL for the M3 U8 sitting above the layer M3 U8 file. And what happened is every single element that came after that in its order of operation was requesting a signed uh, URL back, and they were all failing, right? So there is... You know, it's pretty simple in terms of you, you can just kind of click and go, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of complexity in terms of the stuff that you can tweak. And as, you know, as Lynn talked about and as and we heard from Warner this morning in, in the keynote, there's a lot of power that's going into what they're doing on the edge. And in order to really leverage that stuff, you've got to have a team of people that are sitting in there and really dialing in those numbers to be able to get that level of efficiency. And where we step into place here is that, you know, you, if we look at, you know, the AWS environment, whether it's the elemental, you know, which we work with very closely for live streaming and things like that, um, those are still all infrastructure plays. And there's still a lot of logic that has to layer on top of it. And that's kind of where we fit in and where the partnership between us and Funimation has come in because streamlining those things and being able to monetize uh, on an OTT service is critical, right? We've seen the fact that you have, you know, 80 million or plus customers on Netflix. You've got God knows how many Prime members at this point running on, on Amazon. But then you have services like Show Me in Canada who talked about having 900,000 subscribers and 
had to shutter the service, right? And so it's really critical that we can do this in a cost-effective manner, not just from can I get the price per gig down, but that entire ecosystem, that end-to-end complexity of what we're talking about, how you monetize, being able to offer, whether it's live streams and VOD and being able to do some sort of, you know, pay-per-view event and also commerce activities, that's really critical to what we're talking about. So that's where I'm going to leave you. I think we're going to have some questions, right? Sometime, well, hopefully we'll have some questions. I don't know, but I'm going to turn it back over to Glenn. Okay. Thank you. Stay there, Andy. There might be some questions. <laughs> um, so before we go into questions, just to remind you all that um, about two things. First of all, we definitely want to um, learn from what you thought of the session. We want to make sure it's going to be better next time. So please fill in uh, the evaluation forms. There are a couple of sessions that are coming. One is this evening uh, from uh, the general manager of uh, CloudFront and one of our leading uh, media essays out of the UK, uh, Lee, are going to talk, be talking about taking DevOps to the edge, so really helping you understand how you can iterate these things on the edge of the network. Uh, and then there's another conversation going on, I think that's tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow morning, another, a flash talk uh, with, with, with Alec as well. So just another, another couple of CloudFront presentations there. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're out, of, we're out of time, but if there's any questions, we'll ta happily take them.